everybody, Todd Mitchell here, and welcome back for another exciting edition of the Game Dev Breakdown podcast. Not pictured here is John Scheiber because he uh, disappeared. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, John and I try to coordinate these things. We're two, two guys with young kids, and uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And not always for good reasons. Sometimes one of us falls asleep. <laughs> it's like, right now it's 9.02 p.m. We normally try for about 8. And uh, sometimes one of us is just asleep. So <laughs> I don't even want to think about when our last episode came out. I warned you guys, sometimes we're going to have some caps. Um, I do hope you'll follow along. Really, the best way to keep up with the show is to subscribe. Because, God, we... I can't. I can't really guarantee <laughs> a certain time a week. We're going to do better than this. We're going to go. I'm. I think we probably went four, maybe five weeks without a show. I do regret that. We have a lot of fun putting these together. I enjoy keeping up with John. I didn't tell him I was going to record this. I'm. I'm thinking maybe he will uh, get back to me tomorrow. Maybe we'll do another show for next week. Whatever the case is. So a ton has been going on. John's getting acclimated with uh, being a, a parent of multiple children now. I myself, my son is not sleeping well at night, so I know that's not news, but it is another reason that we don't get to record some nights. But a lot's going on. Since we last spoke, The uh, my, my house was on HGTV, like we talked about. Super weird, would normally never happen, of course. We just happened to have a house hit the market right when HGTV had planned to have a film crew out there because they were looking for like two or three houses for some lotto winners to pick from to buy their, their quote, dream home. The show is called My Lottery Dream Home. Our, our house was never actually in the running. This is part of, like, the, the TV magic, and I'll, I'll get back to that. But they, they looked our house up, and they're like, yeah, okay, it's, it's cool enough to be on the show. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But So what they did was they, they sent a film crew out. They had people, um, let me turn the phone down. The big day rolled around. We had a viewing party over with family. A nice couple won, I don't know, a few million in the uh, Illinois lottery. So they decided they were going to get rid of their house in Swansea, if you're from this area and you know the area. Swansea is about half an hour from our old house. They wanted, they were renting their house. So it made sense to me that they wanted to buy. So they looked at our house was first, quote, first. They had actually already bought one before they ever <laughs> set foot in our house. But they looked in our house. Then another one in, I think, Edwardsville. And then they settled on one in O'Fallon. So it, it was funny to watch because in the show, they they <laughs> their, their story kind of, they try to present a story with these things and it just barely held together. They're like, we want a house with, you know, a big backyard, plenty of room to entertain. We want a, a nice downstairs area for the husband to have like a getaway and... Our house just like knocked everything off the list and they were like, maybe if there's room for a pool, that would be cool. So we, we don't have a pool. Like we do have a nice big backyard, but it's got a bunch of giant mature trees and they look out there like, yeah, plenty of room for a pool back there. I'm like, yeah, if you want to bulldoze a forest back there, but okay, fine. So the rest of the house they love. Then they go in the other uh, house, which I didn't think was as nice, but I'm sure I'm biased. So the third one was the one they had actual, actually purchased before this filming ever started, uh, I think. And they walk through it. That house doesn't really have any of the stuff they wanted. And they're like, one of the last things they look through is, is the upstairs walk-in closet. And they're like, oh yeah, well, my wife wanted a walk-in closet. Ours had one too. And they go out back and there's a big pool. <laughs> and like, cut to commercial, cut back, they're like, we're just going to go buy the one with the pool. And it's 
like all the all the rest of the list boxes stayed like unchecked. It, it was the silliest thing, but it was fun to watch our house on TV. How many people get to say that? We got to put a new for sale sign out of our house or out in front of our house that still hasn't sold. But now it says, as seen on HGTV. And we have had more showings since that time. So, no offers. Go buy my house if you want. Now it's not hard to find. So, I think what I want to do at some point is put together, like, I've got the digital version of the show. I want to, like, put, I live tweeted the whole thing. You can can go back on my Twitter feed and look at the stupid stuff I said. But I want to kind of, like, match up the video with the tweets as I put them out. And, and, uh see if I could go without that getting removed for copyright, but I, I think that'd be funny. Anyway, so a ton of stuff has happened in the game industry, uh, and I've done some project stuff, which we can talk about, and I, I do want to get John's thoughts on this stuff, but I may as well. Like, I I don't want to leave you guys hanging. I feel bad. People are getting in touch with me, like, yeah, we love it. We hope you can do the show again soon. People are very understanding, which is weird for the internet, but that's how cool you guys are. Like, I have the best listenership on this podcast. I... I'm completely undeserving, but when I move, when things settle down with the family, when John's kid, kids, uh, I don't know, move out or whatever, we can settle in and really do some content. Like, I'm excited about that. So, a lot of legal activity. Uh, that's going to be a theme for today. And the biggest one is, you guys have seen it on the website, and I can pull it up right here. Bethesda Softworks has started a lawsuit against Warner Bros., and Behavior Interactive, which is a Canadian studio, they actually have a long history and they've had a few names, but you can read about that on CodeRightPlay.com, which is on a new server. You noticed how, how blazing fast the site was just now. Let's let's click on something else random. Uh, old episode, how you could work in games next week. Let's go on screen. There it is. You know, if you've ever visited the site, you know it's never been that fast. I'm going to derail us for a second so we can talk about that. <laughs> You're probably already pissed off at my tangents here at 6.45. So I, I was I was mad about how slow the site is always performing. When Microsoft brought me out to GDC, the site was down. The site was unviewable for almost the entire week. They're, they kept coming to me like, man... Uh, are you going to do something? Your website's down. I'm like, ah, it's GoDaddy. I don't know what to do. Turns out, I call them. I'm like, hey, listen, uh, this is unacceptable. I've had you guys for a while. I don't I don't call and bitch at you enough, but I do want the speed and the performance I'm paying for. You can't say 99.9% uptime, and then my site's never available to anyone, myself included. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. All right. Is it is it down right now? They they ask me, and it's it's a guy. He's younger than me, but I'm trying to be respectful. I'm like, yeah, uh, no, it's it's not down right now, but it was a few hours ago. He goes, let me try to pull this up. So he hits CodeRightPlay.com. Up comes my recent theme redesign, which is um, sort of uh, background scenes from uh, Activision's area at E3. Uh, there's a lot of Call of Duty stuff going on. And he goes, oh my God, did you go to E3? I said, uh, no, I didn't. And let me tell you why. When Microsoft brought me out to GDC... I did a week of content, exclusive interviews for my rinky-dink little podcast, which, I mean, it's at the top of the category, but ladies and gentlemen, we do not pull giant numbers, let me tell you. I'm not in this for the money. Anyway, but I love doing it. So I said, yeah, uh, Microsoft brought me out for GDC, and you guys' server was down the entire week. He goes, oh, God, no. I'm like, yeah, dude. So you guys kind of screwed me. (laughs) And nobody talked to me about E3 because what would they get out of it? 
And I said, please, I just, I want to fix this. I'm not going to worry about the rest. Let's just fix this moving forward. He goes, okay. Uh, he goes, oh my God, your, your error log is huge. I'm like, yeah, well, I figured it was something. So not only was my, my GoDaddy server on, uh, PHP 5.6, which is two major releases ago. And I think it has been for more than a year. He goes, yeah, you can't, you can't upgrade to seven because we, we don't offer that on this package. But if you moved over to one of our newer hosting packages with, uh, cPanel, I don't mean to get so jargony, but he goes, yeah, you, you could have PHP 7 right away. But sir, uh, optimization of your website is very crucial. And I'm like, dude, you need to stop. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I get it, man. I feel so bad about that E3 thing. He goes, but I have to inform you, as long as your website is getting errors like this, people are not going to spend a lot of time at your website. I'm like, dude, why do you think I'm talking to you right now? So... We got that resolved. I actually had to migrate both of my websites. My uh, shop talk blog here, coderiplay.com, is now on a cPanel whatever. And my studio site had to be moved over as well. That's great. Everything's blazing fast now. But God, that was frustrating. So if I will say this. GoDaddy has ultimately done right by me. But do not put up with crap from them. Like, bug uh, customer service. Do what you got to do. I know it takes a while to get through. But don't just sit there with laggy shit. They are capable of giving you a fast website, so just demand that from them. It's not WordPress's fault at all. Uh, just do what you got to do. So where were we? The uh, Warner Bros. <laughs> the uh, Warner Bros. lawsuit. So the the situation is Bethesda was uh, tooling around the the old campus and. Warner Bros. does this big reveal at South by Southwest and GDC, as we were speaking of, um, of their Westworld game. Westworld mobile game is, it's out now. It is basically a pretty direct knock of, uh, Fallout Shelter. Like, it is Fallout Shelter with a Western theme, as people have called it. So, the situation turned out to be that Warner Brothers had hired Behavior Interactive after they completed Fallout Shelter to make the competitor to Fallout Shelter. So that strikes me as sketchy right out of the gate. Like, I don't think that's actually very common. Like, it is generally not done. So, point being, Bethesda determined that not only is this a direct knockoff of Fallout Shelter, it is abundantly clear that a copy of the code from Fallout Shelter was used to create this Westworld game. And... It, we, we This is an in interesting area because Bethesda hired Behavior to do this as a work-for-hire project, and then they immediately copyrighted the code and everything else. So there's there's a copyright on the actual code that Behavior created for Bethesda. So if they are able to demonstrate that in, indeed Warner Bros. has a game that's built off of a code copy from Fallout Shelter, well, then everyone's in trouble. The the cool thing <laughs> the cool thing here is this is definitely going to go to court. I I spent a weekend sort of casually following this and reading about it. Um, this the situation is that Bethesda says this is true. Warner Brothers says this is absolutely not true. But we don't really know because we have to go by what behavior tells us. And behavior is like uh, we told Warner Brothers that no, we didn't. It's tricky because Bethesda has found a bug in the code for the Westworld mobile game that was visible in one of the demos that 
they say this same bug, they had to tell behavior to fix it in one of the early copies of uh, one of the early versions of Fallout Shelter. And they describe it very clearly, like the, the lawsuit uh, document is only about 34 pages. You can get through it very quickly if you're just skimming through. They, they say they describe exactly what the screen does, where the camera's pointed and the whole thing. And they say the exact effing same thing happens in Fallout Shelter and Westworld Mobile. And you can't tell us that didn't come from our code. That's interesting for a couple of reasons. One, how could you be that lazy or, or that stupid? Like if that's true, like if this was your bug that uh, Bethesda made you fix and you did the same stupid thing in Westworld and didn't fix it. And you're trying to hide the fact that you copied Bethesda's code like you probably deserve what you get. I'm not sure that's the case, because think about it this way. Like, I don't know what, what technology the game is built on. Maybe it's an Unreal game, Unity game. That that info might be out there. I, I don't think I've looked for it. If they could prove that maybe it's the fault of Unreal Engine, and maybe they started with the same tutorial or something, like Unreal has a make-a-strategy tutorial, and if you follow that tutorial and do the same certain steps in a row, maybe it creates this bug, they could probably get away with this. And maybe, in fact, they did not intentionally copy the code. I think it's a bad idea to make a game for a major publisher like this and then agree to make the same type of game for someone else immediately after. I run a studio. I would never dream of doing something like that, especially to Bethesda, who is litigious AF. They have sued um, Interplay over the Fallout stuff and won. They have sued... um Oh, they sued Mojang over that Scrolls game because it sounded too much like the Elder Scrolls just because they used the word Scrolls. They settled out of court and basically made uh, Notch do what they wanted. You know Bethesda's going to come after you. We're at a point right now where all that's happened is Warner Bros. has come back and said, "We this is egregious, this is completely nonsensical. We didn't convince behavior to copy any code. We didn't hire them to say, like, Use a copy of Fallout Shelter and make a competitor and make yourselves better. Make us more money. It wasn't like that. We wanted this game. We do like Fallout Shelter. We wanted something in the style of Fallout Shelter. Well, you can't copyright style. If if it turns out that all behavior did was use the same kind of strategy, write similar code, like that's, they can do that. You can't copyright design. Twitter largely can't seem to follow this. And that struck me weird in a couple of different ways. Some somebody came up with this. Um, I quoted this in the article. They're like, "Oh, leave it to Bethesda to catch their copyrighted code because of the bugs in it," which is dumb because Bethesda didn't code the game. Bethesda hired a studio. Not only did Bethesda hire a studio to make the game for them, Bethesda caught the bug and made the studio fix it. So if you're <laughs> using this to knock on uh, to knock Bethesda, that kind of makes you look foolish. Uh, or at least it means you didn't read the article. So I was kind of tweeting back and forth to people just casually. I wasn't trying to get into arguments or anything. Uh, it did turn out that way, though. One <laughs> one person said something, and I, I sort of responded like, here's why this is interesting to me, because it, it was this third-party studio, and it brings up certain questions about fair competition and like what should be fair in a contract with a publisher. And the guy's like, well, you can't copyright ideas, and you can't blah, 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 blah. And, like, he was just belligerent the entire time. But this guy tweeted back to him, who is a... He describes himself as a game developer currently and a former attorney. And I'm interested in legal matters. So I, I, I told this guy, like, I would like to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, I, I did some research. I did some writing. 
And if I'm on track or way off track, I'd like to hear about it. And he goes, <laughs> this former lawyer goes, you know, the, the most interesting thing about this case is that Bethesda found their own bug in someone else's code. I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Can no one follow this at all? The lawyer had it wrong. Or maybe that's why he's a former lawyer. Like, he was way off base about this. And, and he went on this tangent about, I used to tell my clients in software development that uh, you should intentionally create certain bugs or certain little oddities in your code or your database so that if you do get copied, you can catch them right away. That doesn't apply here because Bethesda didn't inter introduce shit. They did catch someone else's bug in someone else's code that they were hired to create for Bethesda. So I let that guy go. <laughs> But this first guy, I told him, you can legally copyright code. Like, you, you can't copyright the design, but, you know, there are patents and there are copyrights, there are trademarks. They all work different ways. I won't go into that. It, it is very confusing. But I said, you, you, you can copyright code. You know that, right? And he goes, well, maybe you can legally copyright code. And I said, yes, you can. Okay, maybe maybe you can legally. Yes, you can. Go on. But... Those laws must be changed. And I'm like, okay. Here's the problem. Other than that's just dumb. I understand people want to do this, you know, hey, software is ideas. You shouldn't, you shouldn't copyright ideas. All information should be free. I don't agree with any of that, but I get it. I get why you would want to argue that, uh, you know, in the name of uh, advancing technology and, you know, creating a better future. Ha ha. It's, it's like anything, like, Hard work is hard work. Sometimes hard work should be protected by law, and someone else should not exploit that hard work. And then, at the same time, you have a responsibility to go like, okay, once you've provided for yourself and your family, maybe do some hard work for the community. I believe in that. I think everyone should be focused on that. But that's that sort of becomes a capitalism pro and con philosophical debate. So, okay, so this, this guy tells me, first of all, it's, it is that. He doesn't like capitalism and he doesn't want things to be able to be copyrighted at all probably so but then he tries to make a technical argument which didn't work he he says the problem is code is a science it's not like art and now we're getting dangerously close to like the our games art debate but he goes it's not like artists you can't you can't copyright math you can't copyright formulas algorithms i agree with that but he has you know, similar similar programmers can use the same approach and come up with similar code. And I said, dude, similar code would not lose this lawsuit. Exact copies of the code with the same comments, the same functions, the same libraries. That's going to lose them this lawsuit if, in fact, that's what comes out in court. And during the discovery process, they're going to get their hands on that code. So I don't know what anyone thinks they're about to get away with or not get away with. And I said, by the way, programming is not strictly science it's not a strict exact practice you should look at it the same way as a photographer a photographer uses the same approach to finding things in the lens framing his photo focusing on an object like he has procedures that he uses he has strategies things he's learned and yet if two photographers use that same approach to take a picture of the uh seattle space needle those photographs are going to be different and you can copyright those so tell tell me how it's not the same as what an artist does. You know, artists are no different with paints and a brush. You can learn the same couple of things in just about any art school, but your painting is still your painting and you can protect it. 
the argument I'm making here is that Bethesda has the same right to copyright and protect their code that they paid for, whether they made it personally or not, that I have to create my own code as an independent freelancer or a uh, studio head who is a one-person team. I have that same protection, and in this case, it protects a small business. Like, my rights and Bethesda's rights are exactly the same. Don't I deserve to protect my family, you know? So after I lay out this argument and pretty much decimate this guy, he responds, Huh, okay. Which was my point. It is okay. So there's one part of the Bethesda argument, and, and you can find all sorts of people on Twitter misunderstanding this thing. Bethesda programmed a bug, and that's how they found it, and I think that's hilarious. And, like, most of them are ripping off the same, the first person who made the joke, which the whole thing just gets sad. So I'm, I'm waiting to hear something more from either Bethesda or Behavior Interactive. Like, you can read a pretty long, deep dive about this stuff. Uh, actually, a couple now on Coder I Play. Just check it out if you're interested in such matters. If you're not, you've already heard too much. The other uh, legal thing right now is Bluehole dropped their lawsuit against Epic. Actually, I'm going to pull that up. I'm not sure if that's right. Got it. Okay, so the second big uh, legal thing from the game industry this week is PUBG has dropped the Fortnite copyright lawsuit. And I haven't read too much about this one. I probably will, but... You heard me and John talk about this when it first came up, and we were pretty sure this wasn't going anywhere because they're depending on Epic for the Unreal Engine. So it's like, how far is this really going to go? You want to win a small lawsuit and lose your ability to uh, use your engine of choice? And you've got how many active players right now and you're making how much money? Like, at what point do you want to let this go? I think another part of it is probably every game's about to have Battle Royale mode. And so what? Who cares? Look at it like, hey, you started a movement. Market yourself as, we were the original Battle Royale mode. Great. That's that's awesome, and you were a trendsetter, and go do something else now. Who cares if this hits Call of Duty next, and Battlefield's about to do it? It doesn't, it's not going to make any difference. So many people uh, make fun of their friends who play Fortnite, because they're PUBG guys, and back and forth, and like, you're not really going to lose the fans that are paying your bills. I don't think this one's worth worrying about as much, but you can check out, uh, this article is on The Verge, and this has been covered just about everywhere. So, that's, that's great. There is sort of a call for legal action in this, uh, active shooter game. Let me, let me pull this up on screen. This whole thing is kind of ridiculous. Okay, this article is just one small part of it, but there's all kinds of news about this game called Active Shooter. I think that, yeah, that's the name of the game, is Active Shooter. The point is, a developer from outside the United States, I I can't recall where they are from, they made a game which was supposed to sort of be a SWAT team simulator game, as if you're, like, training to be... I think the idea is that you would use this game as if you were a SWAT team member and you're getting training by playing this simulator. So they made this simulator to deal with active shooters, and one mode is basically an active shooter in a school... And it will allow one person to control the shooter who will go around and basically wreck civilians. Uh, not too unlike the uh, Call of Duty game that did this in an airport full of people. Sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. But they they basically said you cannot have, and I, I say they, this is basically like Twitter and the internet and social media. You can't have this game that has this this school shooter mode. So I think the game was eventually canceled. PayPal has shut down the account of the developer. Uh, I think the game got pulled from Steam. Was it Steam or was it uh, Itch? 
you, you can read about this. It's basically the entire gaming community and people outside the gaming community said, we are not going to stand for this shit. The developer is is just tired of hearing about it, and he's confirmed that, like, we're, we're not going to proceed with this game. I, I'm actually torn about this because it's in poor taste, obviously. It's a bad idea for a game. It's not interesting to me as a player of shooter games. I've seen so much of this crap already, it didn't look like it was very well made. At the same time, if you look back to, like, 96 or so, something like that, the Marine Corps used Doom to create almost the exact same kind of thing to train Marines. And they used a first-person shooter game like this, and it's it's not impossible to see where the developer thought this might go. They might have thought, indeed, that they were going to... I'm sorry for saying indeed twice in one show, that's ridiculous. They might have thought that they were going to create this game and maybe it would get picked up by uh, police forces, you know, actual SWAT teams. They might have thought they could go into, you know, contract development for this thing, and that it would be an interesting point of education for people playing. I, I maybe don't think it was that. I think probably they made this thing, and they wanted some attention, and so they threw this in, and that did not work out at all. It's, it's real possible as a creative person to go, hey... I could do this one thing and I would immediately get all kinds of attention and you get a, a taste of it. And it's like, holy shit, I don't want any part of that. For me, that version of that was uh, writing in favor of the first uh, EA Battlefront game. And all I did, <laughs> you guys have heard this story. All I did was correct a few tweets and like Reddit tried to murder me. So, and I mean, I wrote for Zam.com, which was launched by Steve Bannon. I have been in the middle of some controversy. Uh, I try to avoid it now these days because it's just it doesn't it doesn't pay well enough. My point is, I can I can see a sincere reason for trying to make a game like this. I don't think that's what these guys had in mind. I don't think it's worth having this game on the uh, game marketplaces for CNN to run footage of all the time, talk about how we need less video games and Fox News to get people pissed off on both sides of the aisle. I don't think this suits the gaming community, and I, I think game developers do have some small responsibility to think like is this good for the industry really just because you want to work in it i'm not saying you have to morally police yourself at all times but if you don't want to wreck your marketplace don't wreck your marketplace and these guys were kind of doing that uh, a worse example was the game hatred that got pulled off steam that shit was ridiculous I, I'm really, I'm not, I'm not for this stuff. It, it's hard to sort of navigate what should and should not go into a game because, especially on the in, independent front, when you don't answer to a publisher or maybe multiple publishers or multiple, you know, maybe a, a top-level studio and then a publisher, not a whole lot of people stand in the way to go, hey, you can't do that. Take this out of the game. I think a lot of the more edgy games are better done at the AAA level because there are... <laughs> I, this is probably going to be unpopular, but I I do think it's maybe better for a publisher who has just a couple of guys in suits sitting around a boardroom table going, they put what in this game? No thank you. You are fired. <laughs> and that's just because it creates balance. Because you know on the other side, some dude is like, let's put this game 
let's put something in this game where a guy in a gorilla suit runs through a daycare with a flamethrower and stuff. Like, you know what happens behind closed doors. People are coming out with the most outrageous ideas they possibly can. Uh, usually just to make their buddies laugh. But then if the other buddy laughs too hard, they're like, yeah, we got to do this. We're going to put this in this game. And then you've got this this uh, flamethrower simulator on Steam. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't necessarily think you should keep it like, don't do anything worse than an R rating, but do keep your wits about you because, again, you're going to attract the kind of attention that gets government oversight brought in, that gets uh, you pulled off Steam and your your <laughs> payments declined by PayPal. Like, who, who does that benefit? The, the takeaways for indies, I think, I, I would almost say if you don't want to live in a world where you've got to run stuff by, you know, local government or some sort of uh, accountability board on Steam or something like that, just keep in mind, like, is this just too far from planet earth like have i really lost my mind with this thing and if you have consider reeling it back in for yourself and for the rest of us because i don't want to deal with this crap with my games my games obviously have stayed uh entirely positive usually educational it it doesn't come up for me it's not to say i'm not going to make anything darker i will at some point like i will make something for people above five years old you know <laughs> right now my uh, last game was a, a kid game and i'm starting another one we'll talk about that momentarily but man i i would encourage game developers to look up what's going on with this game look at some of the examples they cite and uh look at the various sort of responses there have been and consider how you might apply that to your own planning because god if if you just if you have no common sense we're we're gonna really run into trouble so I think that is largely the legal situation for this week. We don't get to talk about like lawsuits and stuff very often, so that's kind of interesting. I have played a lot of games lately because I got my ass fired from <laughs> from one of my freelance contracts. My client was the sweetest lady. She was so nice. We worked on, we worked on something for so long. We probably hit eight months, I think, and it, it was supposed to be like a couple months tops. The problem was we had to change formats a couple times. We had to change sort of scope and our strategy, format, like platform. Everything about the project changed at least twice. And then her artist pulled rank and goes, you don't have my permission to use this stuff in a game. And I <laughs> I did something. I'm glad this came up. I did something I'm going to recommend that you not do. And I let my big mouth write a check for me on that one because I had had enough and I didn't want to be pushed around. And I said, you tell that artist, I'm going to personally redraw all the art in this entire game. No one's ever going to see her artwork again. And I'm going to keep every dime. And she goes, you can do that. And I said, I can do that. Now, should I have done that? The answer is no, <laughs> I did not have. First of all, this project, I agreed to a very generous rate, and it was not the client's doing. I estimated poorly. I I un greatly underestimated my own time, and I gave her a rate that I should have... It should have covered maybe the first month, and then I was completely just trying to get this thing out of my life. Even though like we had a great working relationship, I feel just terrible the project didn't work out. Finally... <sighs> After I had missed about the third or fourth deadline, I said, listen, here's where we are. Uh, I, I need to find a way out of this project because I, 
the the fee lasted me no more than two weeks, and here we are. We're gonna cross the year mark if we're not careful. And she goes, you know, I uh, I think I'm gonna go another direction. So, and she she cut me a nice check. She cut she paid me for. I turned over everything I had to her. She paid me very very generously, and we went our separate ways. I've never been fired from anything in my entire life, and I am. I'm allowing myself to be a little bit vulnerable here in talking about this because it, it makes me uncomfortable and I'm upset by it. But it was also really bumming everyone in this family out. Like, they were watching me just slave away on this. Let that be a lesson to you. Don't be a smartass like me. That was ridiculous. I should have never... Something I was already woefully behind on. I should have never decided that, like, you tell that artist. Like, that was stupid. That was so stupid. So... I have had time to play some video games, and what I've been playing is, I really like House Flipper. I don't think everybody would like House Flipper, but I think it's a really interesting example of what you can do with basically first-person shooter controls and viewpoint, but not shooting a gun. Like, And I play gun-shooting games constantly, and I, I really enjoy them, but this was just something interesting. You, you go into houses, you do contractor jobs like cleanup repaint this, move some furniture out, install a radiator, like pretty interesting like house housekeeping stuff. And then when you make enough money, you start buying houses, repairing them, and then you flip them and see how much you can sell them for. It is fascinating. The most surreal thing that I'll probably ever do in my life was playing this game while waiting for my house to be shown on HGTV. You may not get to do that, or you may. I don't know. But I've really been enjoying that. The Division hit the Xbox Games Pass, which I uh, <laughs> signed up for, as as we've talked about in previous shows. So I've been playing The Division. Um, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed hit games with gold last month, and I've been playing that, even though I've got it on Steam, and I spent many hours on that previously. I've been playing that again because it's fun. Another unpopular opinion, better than Mario Kart. I'm just going to put that out there. Come at me in the comments. That's fine. Uh, I wanted to hear about what John's been playing. The Steam Summer Sale is in full effect. If <laughs> if if you didn't know that already, just take your wallet and just toss it under the couch and get it back in a couple of months, and you'll come out on top. So <laughs> John's going to be back. Like I said, he may want to record tomorrow, something like that. But I just did 40 minutes alone. I hope you guys don't mind. I wanted to get some more content out there, and we're going to be more active. The website's going to be more active because you can freaking uh, pull it up in the web browser and actually see it now. So I'll, I'll be more active there. I'm going to write more. We're going to record more. And we're going to try to get back to the uh, development live streams. Real quick, my, my uh, new project, my son is super into music, and he likes classical music because of a show called Disney's Little Einsteins. You can check that out on... Actually, they pulled it off Netflix. I think you have to go to Amazon Prime and pay for it now, which is not ideal. But it's a cool show for kids, and it, it has smarter content than a lot of kids' shows. It's got classical music and classical artwork. And so he got really into, like, orchestra music and instruments and stuff. So I put together, I found a uh, collection of, I'm going back and forth about the actual copyright requirements of this thing but it looks like they have put in the public domain a bunch of recordings and we're talking about like pro tools files so individual instrument tracks 
for some of the most famous classical pieces of all times. I'm, I'm going through that, and I've created this cool prototype for my son. Well, I don't want to call it cool. I think it's neat, and he really likes it. That was my chair, not my butt. Basically, you, you load up a scene, and you see a famous concert hall, and you see some classical instruments, and you click on each one, and you can hear their part in a, a bigger musical piece. So the first one was a string quartet. You can hear the violin, the cello, the viola. And then you click on the sheet music and you can hear the entire piece being played with all the tracks together. So I, you can kind of think of it like baby rock band for classical music, but it's been so much fun and I did it in a really simple way. And I think if I'm able to flesh this out some and it looks like something I'm going to get to pursue based on the right <laughs> copyright uh, privileges, I'll figure out a way. But I, I want to break this down on the show, maybe even in a stream, and talk about how I was able to do this with Unity in, like, 2.5 sittings of, like, one to two hours each. It was very easy to get this started, and I'll tell you guys how I did that. <laughs> I miss John just like you guys do. He'll probably be back for the next one. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stop leaving you guys hanging. So in the meantime, if you enjoy the show or if you tolerate the show on a regular basis, we would love to have you as a subscriber. You can do that at iTunes, uh, Google Play Store, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, we do videos on YouTube. Check those out. So we're all over the place. Let us know you're listening and that you enjoy the thing. Leave us a rating. Please, please, please. That will help us reach more people. I'm not advertising to you guys. I'm not asking anyone for anything. If you wouldn't mind leaving a rating, that's going to help us do this more often, and it's going to hold us accountable because then people are going to find it more naturally. So out of the goodness of your heart, consider that. Otherwise, we will catch you guys later. My name is Todd Mitchell. CodeWritePlay.com is where you can find everything. This is the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. Catch you next time.